0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member of
1: You're listening to CLNS Media powered by betonline.ag. Go
0: to slash roll. Use our promo code CLNS50 for 50% off your first deposit. This is June 3rd, and this is the Bruins beat on CLNS Media. And we're back with another Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky, the official host of this podcast for as long as I possibly can host it. Hopefully it's a very long time. Hopefully we have lots of fun together. And the Bruins have great successes. Why not? Um, So right now is a pretty good time for the Bruins. Uh, Bruins, this this will drop Monday morning. So this will drop right before Game 4. Bruins are up 2-1 in the Stanley Cup Final. Absolutely destroyed. Uh, the St. Louis Blues in game three, seven to two. That game was absolutely nuts. Um, didn't look like it was going to be, uh, pro Bruins in the first ten minutes. And then just the floodgates opened up. Bruins scored seven goals. Yada, yada, yada. They're probably feeling pretty good going into game four. Um, but for this episode, I wanted to have someone on who is a good voice for the Bruins. Really good Bruins writer. Really good on Twitter. Um, someone fun that everybody sort of loves. And that's Ty Anderson. Uh, I had Ty on this week. I think you're going to really like this conversation, Ty. is 98.5 of 98.5, the Sports Hub, and we sort of talk about at the beginning sort of his career and how he's become who he is, how he's gotten to where he is, sort of the perils he's gone through. There's a story out um in BU's student newspaper this week sort of about his career, how he got to where he is, but you get to hear that in this podcast, which is fun, Um and then we get into the Bruins, then is this series over, is it not? We have very differing opinions on that, so look forward to some banter, and then we end with ripping on the national Canadian media, because why wouldn't we? They suck. They, they, they are not fun. Um, they don't like having fun. They hate the Bruins. They hate Brad Marchand. Good. We get to make fun of them for it. So um, I think you're really, really, really going to like this episode. And I hope you do. If you do, uh, tweet at me saying you like it, or you can leave a nice rating on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, without further ado, here's my interview with Ty Anderson. Yeah. And we're here with Ty Anderson of 98.5, the sports hub. Ty, what is up? What's going on, man? All right, so uh it's so nice to have you on. We've tried to have you on a few times past couple weeks, maybe making some excuses, not answering. It's okay. It's okay. It's Maintenance gone. days, right? Maintenance days. I know. Everyone's trying to stay fresh. I'm even feeling it. And I'm 20. I'm, this is my first go with it. And even there are times when I come home from a game at, like, 2.33 in the morning, I'm just like, I can't do anything tomorrow, I need the day off.
1: No, it's a, it's a real thing, and I think, you know, especially when you've been doing it for, like, 82 games and a whole training camp, you're kind of like, okay, we'll figure this out. I feel bad, because, honestly, there's, like, a ton of radio spots that I've been asked to do, and I, like, outside of Boston, and I'm just like, no, I can't, I can't right now, I need, I need to unplug my brain, so it happens to the best of us, honestly.
0: Well, everyone's been, every, it's funny, you have this army behind you of people who are calling for you to be on air, including yourself, you're the, you're the main guy of it, but... You know, to have you on here, I wanted, you know, you you deserve more airtime. And I've texted you that. You know I believe that. But I think you deserve more airtime.
1: Yeah, I mean, listen, you control you control, right? I, I think I don't – listen, everyone would love to be on more. That's that's the nature of the business. And, you know, you have to kind of outwork people and show why you can be on. So I like that challenge. I like that opportunity. So I don't worry about that stuff. I try my best not to because I think if you worry about everything that's that's not happening for you, um, you focus, you lose focus on what you can control and what you should be doing. So, uh, yeah, I, listen, I'd love to have my own show, but at the end of the day, it's not happening. So I got to focus on what, what we can do now and that's kick ass on the website and go from there.
0: Yeah, no, it's funny. I know what you mean with the whole, like going for what you don't have. Like there, there was times when I was at school this past year where I would see, you know, someone blowing up with a tweet or good Twitter or a lot of Twitter followers or a story blowing up. And I'm just like, Oh, I want to do that. And that's like, you know, just. Enjoy what you have. Do what you got to do. Work as hard as you can. Don't look at other people so much, and you'll be a lot better. This story just came out about you by this kid Chad Jones from WTBU, which I found really interesting. um, Sort of about your background and and how you've gone up the ranks, and you you kind of didn't know what to do, and then you you know got a credential with Hockey Buzz. Um, My favorite part, and I think the part that is the funniest, because look at you now is uh the part where the meeting at weei which i work for now but i can say this um was a mistake <laughs> It was a total mistake by them and i think that you know to sort of see where you are now it's it's just like oh my god what a swing and a miss but um listen I, everything I,
1: happens for a reason right and uh yeah it wasn't gonna happen there I'm, I'm very happy where how it all worked out to be honest with you um Being with 98.5 has been – it's breathed really new life into my career. Um, I I feel excited about what we do. Um, It's different. You know, it's a new adventure. Uh, They didn't have a website. I mean, they did, but it was a part of CBS Boston, so it really wasn't their own endeavor. Um, Now we're in uncharted waters here. This is totally new for for Beasley and 98.5, and um, it's great. I mean, having a partner like Matt and and like Matt McCarthy as well who – Writes for us. Uh, Sean Silver writes for us as well. Mass chimes in with an occasional uh, column or story. Uh, it's awesome. It makes a big difference. And I think that uh, being being on this team, um, it really feels like you know that meaning, if you will, or you know the, the the exit. It all made sense. You know, within a month of me leaving and going to Nine Eight Five, I kind of felt like, okay, this was the plan the universe uh, had for me for whatever reason. So, uh, yeah, I don't. I I have no regrets about. About working there, um you know, Rob, Rob Radford's an amazing boss. He was an amazing person to work for. Uh, learned a lot from him. Learned, uh, how to be a professional, how to be, how to carry yourself and, um how to, I think, speak up when necessary. Um, to the way, the way that he carried that website and the way that he, he kind of coached me and brought me under his wing, um was something I'll never forget. Something I'll always appreciate. Uh, I, I want to beat them now. That's how that goes. I want to beat you. Um, okay. you're on EEI.com. Um but that's part of the fun, right? It's rivalries. It's, it's competition. And this wouldn't be fun without the competition element of it. So, uh, I don't want to like talk about them too, too much, but it's, it's, I'm happy with how everything worked out to the least.
0: You know, you speak of the rivalry thing. I was so f- offended the other day, but then I had to kind of collect myself when I was walking towards the locker rooms and you slew-footed me from behind and planted my head into the ground and you said screwy E.I." What was up with? The- Why did you do that to me?
1: It's set the tone. It's uh, game one. You know, you have to go out there and you have to uh, you have to set the tone early. Uh, it, it, I let you off easy. You just you did everyone else. Everyone else was still <laughs> they got they got busted lips and and play. Let's see what you did oh. to Calman. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Galman is like, uh, he's the Chara of, uh, of the Bruins beat, right? You don't want to mess with him unless you can, uh, actually handle yourself, I suppose. But, but, uh, but no, no, I mean, I, I, I think one of the things that's fun about the beat, and, and one of the things that I really try to carry with, carry with me every day is, uh, just be cool with everybody. Be nice to everybody. We might not we might not agree on everything. We're not supposed to agree on everything, but I think that natural kind of, hey, we're having fun here. You know, I try to bring that to the rink every day, every game. It's This is a very cool job that we all have, Um, even if we're not getting paid as much as we want or it's not full-time, whatever the case may be, uh, this is a very cool job. And I think experiencing other jobs and realizing, hey, I don't want to do this forever um, and having this cool side job that I turned into a full-time job was great. I mean, it made me appreciate everything about it because there's nothing worse than a sports writer who hates their job. It's just like, like, all right, we will leave then. It's like second next to airplane, uh, complaints. You know, when, when writers are flying somewhere for free and they're complaining that their flight is delayed or that the plane is, is rickety. Whatever. Shut up, man. You're going somewhere to do something that every fan in the world wishes they could do. So why are you complaining about it? So, um, so yeah, no, I, I, I love bringing the energy, bringing the fun, uh, smacking a few people around. Whatever. Let's have at it.
0: You know, it's so funny. You mentioned the 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 sports writers miserable at their job. There were a few I met at media day uh, at the Cup, and sort of during that, during this whole Cup time, who are just miserable people. Like you can talk to them, and they're just like, "Oh, I can't believe I'm here. It's like my Stanley Cup. It sucks." And like one guy was like, "Yeah, I don't want to have to go viral today because like the only thing I'm known for is be going viral once, and I've written for 18 years. Like I should be known for that." I'm just like, "Shut up, dude." be happy you're freaking here, like, be quiet, Um, but uh, we had fun with that, this is a Bruins podcast, we got to talk some Bruins, so today, St. Louis Blues head coach, or today, we're recording this Sunday night for you people, so you can have a great start to your week on Mondays, but Craig Berube comes out, and I found this really interesting, Craig Berube comes out and was asked about not taking as many penalties, and he says, I don't agree with all the calls. We were the least penalized team in the league in the first round, in the first three rounds. Not all now of all of all of a sudden, we've taken 17 penalties in one series. We were the least penalized team in the playoffs coming into this round. Now all these penalties. Now I look at that and I'm like, he lost a game in the last round in the Western Conference final because of a gaff from a referee. Timo Myers hand passed to make it to win it in overtime and the Sharks took a two one lead. And he didn't say nearly anything about the referees. Why is he suddenly saying stuff now?
1: I really don't know. And it's it's funny because I, I look at the penalties, and I think they've been, uh you know, it's, it's, what are you complaining about? These penalties are all pretty much legit. And if they're not, they cancel out at the other end with a bad penalty against the Bruins. I think both teams have been able to complain. I don't think either team should complain, though. I think it's been very clear what these referees are trying to do, what they're trying to get a handle of. What they're gonna let slide and what they're not gonna let slide. So I don't understand his complaints. There's been, if anything, he should be mad at his team for taking so many offensive zone penalties. I think that's been, there's been four or five in this series alone that they've taken in the offensive zone. You can't do that. You learn that at a very young age that that is a no-no and they keep doing it again and again and again. So I don't know what he's complaining about. I guess maybe he's trying to work the refs a little bit. I thought David Backus did this slightly, uh, in, after game two. He was working the league more than the refs when he was saying, you know, if I make that hit, I'm out for games. I thought he was trying to influence the league a little bit there. So this is the time of year where gamesmanship is at an all-time high. We all know that. So maybe Baruby is trying to work the league a little bit and say, hey, back off our guys. We're going to play physical, whatever the case may be. Uh, but ultimately, I look over some of these penalties that the Blues have committed here, and, and I say, okay, what are you complaining about? That's legit. You know, I think maybe the Achari uh, slash – in the third period of game two, uh, score on that, so I don't know why he's complaining. I get it, it sucks, but you, you got away, you got, you got away with that one. Uh, you, you escaped that one just fine, I should say. But you look at last, or, or Saturday's game three, and I don't see what he's complaining about. I don't see a single penalty that I look at, and I say, oh wow, they got the job there. I just
0: don't see it. I think they're desperate. I think, there's, I mean, I don't see it. I think the Blues are still in this series. As you know, I've said on Twitter, I've, I've said in articles, there were people after game one saying the series was over. And I was like, no, it's not. These Blues are legit. They're resilient. I know everybody hates the word resilient now, but it's a thing. And I, I, you know, I look at this team and I'm like, why are you desperate? Because if you're out chirping the refs after you didn't last series, that to me screams a little bit of desperation. Does it, does it feel the same to you?
1: No, it definitely does. And I think, you know, people, you're saying the Blues are legit. That's that's great. I personally haven't been impressed with this team at all. I've watched them now for three games. I don't think they're that good of a team. Uh, and I think that, so that desperation is kind of like, holy, holy crap, we're not going to win this series if we're on the penalty kill. <laughs> like, we just mislead our penalty <laughs> I know, but I try not to. Uh, I, I just think they look at that and they say, okay, we, we we can't win this series if we're on the kill for half the game. Or for for ten minutes out of sixty minutes of the game, which is clearly true. If you watch his power play last night, four for four on four shots. I mean, does it doesn't get any better than that, really? So, so I think that that maybe that is realizing that they need to rein in a little bit, and if they get some help from the refs, they'll be in a better spot come uh, game five in Boston.
0: See, I I I think the Bruins win. I think the Bruins win the series, but from what I saw in game two and the way they've sort of played throughout these playoffs, I mean, up until the series, they weren't even at their best. What I saw in game two and the way they play, there's with with their physicality and their ability to forecheck and all that fun hockey jargon, there's just a way where they have games where they will outshoot you by a ton and just grind out a win. Now, they grinded out game two's win. I mean, they, you know, dominated and they only got three and it took overtime to get it. But still, I I do, I think the Bruins win the series. But I'm not here saying this series is done in five. I mean, I hope it is, just so I don't have to ha- wait until it goes seven and then I get my wisdom teeth out the day after and I have to like deal with all that. That'd I would be like, fun. I know, It'd be so fun. I get to go to the parade with like my big, look like a squirrel. But I don't think the series is over.
1: You don't? I I think that it's not over, but it's getting close. I really do believe that. I thought that. Uh, I think Bennington has been leaky at best in this series. I don't think he's been that good. Uh, their defense is slow, and when the Bruins get them moving and spinning, um, they're in trouble because they can't react or recover as well as, as I would say Columbus, even Toronto with with Riley uh, in round one, even even Carolina. Listen, that was that was, a, that was a softer team, but defensively they are capable and they are mobile. and And I look at this this St. Louis team, and I see Bortuzzo and Edmondson and Gunnerson. And I go, and Bowneaster, I go, this is a slow defense. And, and the Bruins, if they can get them moving, it's gonna play to their benefit here. And I thought you saw that a lot in game, in game three and in game one. Uh, the Corrali goal is a great example of that in game one. Uh, Edmondson is just swimming. He has no idea what's happening. Uh, uh, the Clifton goal in game one, you, you watch it and Bortuzzo is just out to lunch, really. So, I look at those, those two goals and, and I say, okay, they got back to that blueprint, uh, in game three. So, I don't think it's over. I don't want to say that. But I'm just saying the Bruins, when the Bruins play to their level, they are dramatically better than St. Louis when they play to their level, in in my opinion, just through three games.
0: I agree, but I just think the way the Blues play, they're going to have these games where they dominate and come out winner. I just, I see the way game two is. I think this series, I said seven going in. I, again, and this, this is my ass, the fence is up my ass on this one. I, it's either like, I can see this going five and the Bruins just winning game four and then game five. I can see it going seven. I can see it going six. It sounds so stupid, but, like, I, I just – I can't wrap my head around this series being fully over. You mentioned – I talked about sort of the, Bru- the the Blues being undisciplined. Um, When are the Blues going to learn not to run into two Rask?
1: Oh, they're not going to. This is, this is a strategy that teams are now – I think Columbus did it in round two – uh I thought Carolina did it in round three. This is a strategy that teams are now using because this goalie has been so good this, this postseason, and I thought that last night, the first ten minutes of that game, Tuka Rask was unbelievable. It only it only equated out to five or six saves in total, uh but, but to not give up an early goal and put them behind was a gigantic boost to this team, I thought. So I think teams now, they're saying, okay, this guy's a brick wall. What can we do? Well, let's throw a 200-pound body at full speed at it and see what happens. It's 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 a strategy that is cheap and it's underhanded, but this is that time of year. Any means necessary to win a game or to, to get an advantage, teams are going to do it. And I think that's probably the best way to beat this guy now because he has looked so locked in.
0: Yeah, no, it's funny. I think when what kind of surprised me about the Bruins, I don't remember who the personnel was on the ice, but when Perron got in Rask's face after, he, according to Rask, accused him of flopping, I was surprised no one went up to Perron and, and gave him a little bit more of a shove. They kind of just put him up against the glass were talking to him, but nobody was actually throwing punches or anything or wrestling him. I was surprised because I feel like if that happens five years ago, he's dro- he's got to drop his gloves there. But this Bruins team didn't really do anything.
1: I think that they're aware of Perron's game. I think that if they were to try to do that, Perron is going to flop and throw himself backwards and try to draw a penalty. He's not going to engage. He's not going to fight. He's never been a fighter. Uh he's always been more of a an agitator, uh you know, a, a a skilled a less skilled Marshan, but equally annoying. Uh so I think that was the big reason why they weren't that they just didn't take the bait on that one. They said, No, that's fine. Then they, I think they trust their goaltender to handle himself, as weird as that may sound. They know that is not going to drop the gloves and start throwing hands, but they know that he'll laugh in his face, and that's exactly what he did. So maybe that's the best way to handle that, right? You don't give them any sort of emotional lift. You just laugh at them and, and let the scoreboard do the talking, which they clearly did.
0: Yeah, Michael Hurley tweeted the picture um, of Rask physically laughing in Perron's face. I thought it was, thought it was brilliant. Um, and you mentioned the saves he made in the first 10 minutes of that game. The one on Tarasenko I thought was the best. Tarasenko had a wide-open look in front of the net, and, I mean, it it didn't look unbelievable. It was sort of a, you know, where he was shooting it from that it was such a great save, but, I mean, my God, for Rask to be able to sort of stay as composed as he does, I think that's one of the big misses on Rask. I'm not going to get into it because, again, like we could do a whole podcast on people over or undervaluing Rask. The way he stays composed on a lot of those shots and makes them look easy, I think it was – that was why the Tarasenko one didn't look as flashy as, as probably other goalies might make it look.
1: No, exactly. And I think his, his poise and his patience to wait out shooters has been, has been one of his biggest trends this year. Uh, people get on him because he's not aggressive. He's not Thomas. He's not Hudobin. He's not even, you know, you look at Mirazic in round, in, in the first two rounds, the way he was challenging shooters. He's not going to be like that. He's going to wait you out and he's going to use his patience and his poise and his, and his skills to, to sort of Steal the shot to, to to steal what would be a goal, and it's been working so far. I, I can't complain with anything Tuga has has done this far done so far. And my favorite part about it is that when he does give a bad goal, when he does give up a, a, a leaky sort of rebound, he buckles down and, and he doesn't let it sort of snowball or fester. The the Gunnarsson goal to end game two, I didn't love it. I I, I thought you know it it listen, through traffic and that that causes problems, but you'd like a save there i thought personally um so i look at that and i thought the response in game three was what you needed it's it's he's been great at that this year i think that after a loss in this postseason he's only given up 11 goals 16 uh that's what you, if you if you get that out of your goaltender after losses you're gonna win the following game almost every single time and they've done that
0: all right, so before we get more into Bruins talk, I want to tell you about my good friends over at BetOnline.ag. They're more than just some online betting platform. There's a lot of them out there, but none are quite like BetOnline.ag. Their approach is focused on the player, and they built their incredible reputation on offering you, the clients, nothing but the best. From cutting-edge technology to enticing promotions and the latest sports betting odds, they have it all. They're famous for their sports book, where there are live lines on all major sporting events across all the major sports, including the NHL, which is pretty big this time of year. Their live betting feature allows you to bet on your favorites quick and easy and in real time. I told you that everything. If you'd like to bet on the Stanley Cup games or any of your other favorite sports, you might have a lot of them, use my personal promo code CLNS50 at clnsmedia.com backslash NHL Bruins to get 50% cash back on your first deposit. Again, that's promo code CLNS50 at clnsmedia.com backslash NHL Bruins. If you guys would like to keep this podcast free, which I hope and imagine you would, go there and take advantage of this great opportunity. That's betonline.ag. Ironically enough, Ty, I don't know if you saw the promotion I was having where I was giving out two free tickets to game two if they signed up with betonline.ag and used the promo code. A guy won them through my link. Everyone at CLNS had the link. The guy who won it won it through my link, which was like the coolest thing in the world. Oh my God! like I just got this guy two free tickets to to the game two, which was which was pretty crazy. um, you are the hero that the people need. Oh, I was when I got that I was like, oh my God, like I am Santa Claus right now, just giving out free tickets. I don't have any more promotions, but if I did, I would do it. um back to Bruins um storyline going into game three. Joe Haggerty floated it out. he had a video of it from practice. Is Patrice Bergeron hurt? Bergeron goes out, scores a goal, gets two assists, wins 11 of 19 face-offs. I didn't think he looked too hurt. I know he didn't play the last seven minutes of the third period. He had one shift. Um, and after the game, Pierre just flat-out asks him if he's injured. He says he's feeling good. Do you think he's injured?
1: First of all, I love Pierre saying that, as if Bergeron is going to admit into a national audience that, yes, I am very injured right now. It's my right leg. Everyone <laughs> target it. No, so My <laughs> right I'm leg prepared. is
0: broken in half.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's just like a weird, like, yeah, Pierre, he's going to tell you. He, he he was going to tell you. I think these things are so mental. Um, you know, it was funny. Watching the first half of, of the first period, uh, before they scored a goal, I was watching Bergeron, and I said, oh, he looks a little limited. I was like, he looks he looks something like something is wrong. And then he scores a goal, and he looks phenomenal. From that point on, he had jump. He was the first in, uh, first out, you know, creating rushes the other way. Uh, winning face-offs, as you mentioned, I thought that, okay, so maybe it was all mental, and or maybe we're just psychoanalyzing a player who, when he's not scoring, doesn't look as dominant as he typically is. And that's, we do that with every player, I think. So, I don't think he's hurt, personally. I, I think maybe something was limiting him in game two. Uh, but I don't know if it was a, a, a straight-up injury that he has to worry about from here on out. I thought it was, it was telling that he wasn't taking some late-game face-offs in game two. Uh, game Three, though he comes back and he wins eleven of nineteen, so was it just he wasn't having a good night at the, at the dot in game two, and he got back to his winning ways in game three uh, who who's to say you know who we're not going to know until the series is over what he was playing through, but I think watching him uh in game three, I thought that he looked healthy, he looked confident, maybe that was the key is his confidence uh can sort of cancel out any sort of nagging injury if he doesn't indeed have one but I'm not seeing Bergeron of 2013 right now. I'm seeing the Bergeron that you've seen these last two years, who, when healthy, is one of the most dominant players in the NHL.
0: Yeah, I see, I think if he's dealing with anything, it's something minor, which is like what everybody's dealing with this time of year. I didn't think he looked hurt. I thought he looked fine. Um, ironically enough, though, out of the four lines, this goes to show you how deep the Bruins are. This is reason number 755, why the Bruins are so deep. Last night, the Krejci line played the least minutes. They played the least amount of minutes, which is, which like a, most people would look at and go, "Oh, your second line isn't playing the most, like, isn't it playing the second most." Like, what the hell? But the Bruins really have, I mean, every one of those lines right now. The Coil line is playing phenomenal. Fourth line, Crowley line, unbelievable. It's like the Krejci line's really right now your fourth line, right?
1: It is. It's been your weak link. I think DeBrus can give you more. I, I think uh, Krejci can give you more. David Backus is in a weird spot right now where I didn't see what he finished with in Game Three, but the first two games I think he played eight and a half minutes and then ten minutes, um, so so he seems to have fallen out of favor. I would argue that he's fallen out of favor in the Carolina series, but they like him uh, being on the uh, and and being on the bench as a leadership kind of kind of presence there. Uh, so so he's finding ways to to be effective, but it – I think that they don't trust Backus or they don't want to use him a ton uh, is leading to sort of a disjointed line uh, with Creechie and with DeBrusque. And I don't think this line has had the same pop that they had uh, at points in the Toronto series and even in the Columbus series. So I look at that grouping and I say, okay, so so what are you going to do now? I think DeBrusque is he's at his best on the power play right now. Creechie, uh, you're just hoping that he can be consistent uh, and, and generate some rushes. And this He's gonna play ten minutes. Make the ten minutes count, right? So that line has been probably their weak link. I would say through three games, Uh you could argue the Bergeron line was up until game three. I like to think their performance kind of canceled out those worries. Uh, so I would say that's been that. Yeah, that's been a weak link. But I think, that, I, but I think that's because the coil line has been phenomenal, and the Corrali line is maybe the best line in the history of the planet Earth. And I'm so sorry to to Jokam, whatever you want to call him, uh, the Joker. Uh, Joachim Nordstrom, uh, forever doubting him, forever ripping him. He mm-hmm. has been phenomenal. Sean Corral is my hero. And Bolachari is from Rhode Island. So that's fun.
0: And Chris Wagner is an honorary member as well. He was there a long time. And did you know that um, he's the mayor of Walpole? Did you know that?
1: The mayor. He is the mayor. Uh, Marcus Johansson is now claimed by Weymouth, in case you didn't know.
0: Oh, I saw your tweet about that. I thought that was
1: funny. Yeah, it, he's part of the town now. because They've claimed him. Uh, no, and, and talk about being dead wrong. I was completely wrong about those players, and I'm happy to say it. I thought Johansson would be a good addition. I didn't think it made you a cup contender. Um, I thought Coyle, we were advertised, he was advertised to you as what he should be, not what he has been. But he's been phenomenal. I think he's been absolutely nails for them on that third line. Think about it this way. If They don't have Coyle. It's Jacob Forsbach Carlson right now, or it's Trent Frederick right now. Like, that was not going to work for this team. It just wasn't. They wouldn't be here right now if that was their third line center. So that's been a, a season changing move. And I was so wrong about that. Same thing with Wagner and Nordstrom. I, I, when they signed these guys, I said, why are you signing these players? They, why are you giving term to these guys? And on July 1st, and I think you're seeing why they did it. They had an identity and they had a, a desired uh, plan for their fourth and third lines. And right now it's working out.
0: Uh, A line of Frederick or JFK this time of year would just be suck, 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 and suck. Um, I want to start a new segment on this show. You're going to be the first one to be here for it. It's called What Would Happen If Marshan Did That? Because there's a lot of these plays in these games. Because the Blues are a pretty dirty team. I'm going to go out and say it. It's a pretty bold statement. Dirty freaking team. Um, See how I didn't swear there? I can't even swear on my own thing. Um,
1: It's hard, right? Because you know why? Because if I swear here... I'm going to swear on the radio, and then I'm going to get in trouble and, and get fined. And I don't have the bankroll to get deal with a fine, personally.
0: <laughs> no, that's the thing. And I, I don't want it to be like, oh, it's a swearing thing. And I don't want to make – as you said, I don't want to make a commonplace and so just drop F-bombs. Um, but number one play last night that if Marchand did, I think the world would explode – Five seconds into the game, Sammy Blyce, however you say his name, just absolutely steamrolls back. It's right to the head. If Marshan does that, what happens and who flips out?
1: First of all, it's Sammy Blyce. It's a quote, to quote, five. That's it is. So it'll be Sammy Blyce from here on out. Um, I think that, that everyone would lose their mind. And my favorite part about that is, and, and no one wants to admit it, he catches him up, up high. David Backus is quite an actor. He immediately grabbed at his face, and you would have thought that Backus was dying. And he has concussion history. I gotta, I gotta note that obviously. But I thought Backus did his part to kind of sell that and try to get a try to get a power play. Uh, Ten seconds into the game, which again would be a great move based on how the power play played last night. Backus knew. He knew the power player was going to kill it, and he said, I'm going to get, I'm going to get us an opportunity here. So, But, no, if Martian did this, there would be riots in the streets. Uh, Ken Campbell would announce that he was quitting hockey because he couldn't deal with it anymore.
0: Good. Uh, leave. Goodbye, Ken Campbell. You dressed like crap. Yeah,
1: had the Jesus sandals on media day.
0: Did you see that? He was wearing blue on blue with Jesus sandals, and I was like, dude, the door is right over there. You can leave. Ken
1: Campbell ruined my audio because uh, I was in the back for uh, Cassidy and Sweeney. And they started a little early. They started at like eleven thirty-eight, so eleven forty-five. And so like six minutes into my the recording their answers, and thank God it was transcribed by the way, because I would have lost my mind if I couldn't six minutes into my, my recording, you hear Ken Campbell's voice and he goes, It's supposed to start eleven forty five. And I'm like, Oh awesome, now I have this on my iPhone instead of the the GM who's answering questions. That's great. Uh So, so yeah, no, but if this happened, the Canadian media would lose their mind because they always do. They, they hate Marchand. They're all Leafs and Canadiens fans, and they pretend to play journalists. Uh, so I, I think, yeah, that'd be fun, though. I love that. I love when the Bruins make other writers and other fan bases lose their mind because that means the Bruins are back to their winning ways. Canada and the national media, they can't handle the Bruins well because they're doing it the wrong way. Oh, it's not pure... Okay, look at the blues, look like at the Bruins. Right now the Bruins are the 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 angels, in my opinion. So yeah, if Martian did this, it'd be a lot of fun right now.
0: Um I think da- something would trigger Damian Cox into the back of his head just blowing directly off his head. Um He looks like uh, a penis. Sorry. Uh, go, go <laughs> on. <laughs> I haven't looked too much at his profile picture, but the guy is just a total, total tool bag. Um and then because we're going a little long here, I'll cut it to just a second play. David Perron pushing Rask. If if Brad Marchand pushed a goalie, whether he got in his face, whether he pushed him like he did at the end, like if he did that to Carey Price or Frederick Anderson or any of these Canadian goalies, I am almost positive Pierre Lebrun would like come down like Tarzan with his rope and just – start punching and noogieing Brad Marchand. And you'd see like Damian Cox join him and Ken Campbell would come on in and, and 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 everyone would just drop in like soldiers to just berate Brad Marchand.
1: See, I love this because it kind of happened in game one. Uh when Marchand skated by Bennington and kinda of threw a shoulder into him. They went shoulder to shoulder and no one freaked out as much as I thought they would. So I kinda liked that. Um but no it it I live for the chaos of Brad Marchand I really do uh it's it's one of those things that first of all it's a content gold mine he is unbelievable um and, and also I think you need villains I've always said this you need villains in sports and and I think Brad is a perfect villain in the NHL uh for what he does and how he makes everyone uncomfortable um it's it's beautiful it, it's it's a performance art and and I love it I love every second of it so I hope he, like, licks Bennington in Game 4 or something, or, like, he just – he, like, wears a suit underneath his jersey and just makes fun of Craig Berube after he scores a goal or something. I just want something like that to happen in Game 4 because the NHL will burn to the ground, and I will have an absolute amazing time watching it all
0: happen. See, like, the thing is, last year when he was licking guys, yeah, it wasn't the best look. But you had media people who were like, he needs to calm down. I mean, I remember like there were other media members too, tons of them, going, he needs to stop or he's gonna get traded. I, he's gotta cut the shenanigans. He, he's too much. It's, it's entertainment. This isn't, this isn't, um, this isn't church. This isn't the library. We don't have to abide by these incredible standards. It's supposed to entertain. You need to gain edges. You need villains. I'm sorry, I can't get around Joel Edmondson being the Blues villain. He's just not big enough. I'm sorry. They need somebody bigger. Um, but the Bruins have Marshand and it's a fun. It's as a fan, it has to be so fun to just hate him. And if you're on the Bruins, love him, right?
1: I'm sure, and I think that he's a better player when he's emotionally engaged and when he is the villain or when when people hate him. He plays best hockey, I think, and that's a real thing that he can't play without that edge. I think that if he didn't play without that edge, he wouldn't be the NA player that he is today. Uh so I like it. I think it's important. It's important to his game. It's important to the Bruins. And you have to toe the line. He has he can't he can't go around headbutting people or, or, you know, spearing people but but he can he can play what you know, the way he has been. I think he can turn it up a little bit higher too and he'll be okay. And and that's what you want this time of year. But I think that twenty eleven was great because you grew to hate Burroughs and, and, and Biexa and, and, and even the Sedines. You, you watch them and you go, oh, I hate these guys by the end of the they series. That's crazy. good. It's good for the sport though. It really is. Like, it when is. You have that natural rivalry. It's, it's perfect. So, uh, I, I, I like what Marsh doing. So I hope, I, like I said, I hope he does something crazy in, in game four. Or game five. Within reason. Within reason. Within reason. But it'll be entertaining
0: to say the least. God forbid he doesn't answer a question. Um... You might get some writers to lose their minds. Um, yeah, he we, yelled at me, and I
1: was like, fine with it. I was like, oh, that's funny. That's that's him. Everyone's like, what was that about? I'm like, I don't know. He's he's doing his thing, man. Like,
0: I remember I after that happened, that Matt crap. Porter. I remember after that happened, Matt Porter runs in, and he's like, oh my god, Ty, I have to find Ty. Oh my god, and I'm like, that, calm down, like, freaking dude. A player gave him a crispy answer. It's funny. Who cares? We're we're moving on.
1: No, exactly. And I think that you have to be like that. You can't. It's never about. It's never about, you know, how they react to your questions. You're asking the questions to help your own story. Or to him giving me that answer made my story. It made it
0: so much easier.
1: I didn't want anyone being like, "Why is you sitting in the No, I love it. Yell at me all day long. It makes the stories better. It it seriously does.
0: Last question. Series prediction. What do you right now as we record this? Bruins are up two one. Game four will be tonight, which is Monday, because it's releasing Monday. What are your predictions?
1: Uh, I said on the radio on Saturday that the Bruins win five. Uh, so, and, and that was a bold that was a bold take. I picked three in a row. I'm going to stick with it. Nothing has changed uh, on that front. I think the Bruins are the dramatically better team. I really do believe that. Uh, look at the goals Saint, uh, Saint Louis scored in Game three. One goes off McAvoy's foot. Then one goes off Brandon Carlo's penis. I really do think that uh, they're going to be okay. I, I think that this team has played uh, significantly better outside of that game, two, those final 40 minutes, and they were down defensemen for those 40 minutes. I think that played a major factor in their struggles that night. So I look at this series, and I think that, it, again, if both teams play at their level, the Bruins should roll this team, and I don't think it's going to be close. So I'm sticking with it. Bruins in five.
0: It's so funny in Game Three, the Blues actually technically never scored a goal. It was all Bruins putting pucks in the net. Um, I will go Bruins in seven. I think that there's a little bit more left in the tank with the Blues. I I wouldn't be surprised to see the Bruins win Game Four, and then the Blues just find weird ways to win Game Five, win Game Games Five and Six. That's a bold take right now. Just like you had a bold take the other day saying Bruins in five. I'm going to say Bruins and seven. I say they win game four. We get all, everybody gets excited and then they lose games five and six, win game seven, but we don't know. You're trying to kill my Twitter mentions. That's what you're trying I to do right now. I,
1: I, 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 it will be a
0: dumpster fire for 40
1: days. I can't hey, handle that personally.
0: Speaking of Twitter, I am three followers away from two thousand, which is a big milestone, big freaking milestone. Let me tell you. Um, I'll tweet
1: for, I'll, I'll tweet. Thank you for you, and I'll help you get over that in a few
0: minutes. Don't worry. Oh, y'all, you and your social media co- cloud. Bleh! Ty has
1: social uh, media cloud. I'll get you the bump. I'll get you the tie bump. Aw, oh, well th-
0: thank you. That was, I was not asking, but thank you anyways. I don't want to, this to be misconstrued as asking. But at any rate, thank you for joining Ty, and to all the listeners out there, enjoy the rest of the cup. We at CLNS will have you covered. Ty will have you covered at 98.5. I hate to say it, I will also have you covered at WWEi, so you can go anywhere, go everywhere, go every single place for your coverage. Why not? Go support everybody. We're all good people. We're not That's that true. big rivals. It's true. Anyways, uh, everybody, thank you, Ty. Thank you for CLNS Media. I'm Evan Marinovsky. Have a great week.